0: What's up starseeds, angels, guides, humans, and the beings? Welcome to the Dirty Godics Podcast. I'm your host, Solange Beck. Thank you, thank you for joining and tuning in today as we explore, debunk, and redefine purity. So this week I was joined by someone really special. His name is Dylan Swaggy. I call him my brother technically my brother-in-law, and he's someone I'm certain I have known in a past life, and we've agreed that we were probably sibling warriors (laughs) on a battlefield at some point in time. Um, I really appreciated his contribution to this project and how much clarity and definition and intellect he brought to the topic of purity, and he just so intricately weave together his understanding and experience of spirituality, sexuality, purity, um, in a way that I think is going to be really helpful to all the listeners. Uh, This week, also, I'm joined by Claire. Y'all remember Claire. She was kicked off the podcast. (laughs) Um, and She got to listen early.
1: Claire, give us your thoughts. Hi! Oh man, it was such a gift to listen to Dylan's. Um, also, <laughs> being from Maine, I obviously had to do some internet research <laughs> and figure out where he <laughs> where he works, um, where he's where he's managing or running the restaurant. And I love Gather. Oh, amazing. I've been several times. I was home recently when I saw you in Maine, actually, in October. And I think they had sort of just reopened recently and I, mm-hmm. I didn't have time to go. But um, yeah, it, it was really fun to, to hear that. Um, I also just feel... Inherently related to people who live in Maine who aren't from Maine uh-huh. originally. Yeah. Originally being from Minneapolis myself and um, him being from Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was really wonderful to hear his perspective. Um, there was a lot that really moved me in his episode um, <laughs> I do want to talk about it and I don't want to give any spoilers, but I guess um, one thing that I think maybe I touched on in my episode was how trauma informs uh, sensuality mm-hmm. um, and how that healing process is for everyone and how it's so different. Um, And then I also just really, I feel like for me, the biggest takeaway from his podcast were reminders,
2: reminders
1: of myself in moments when I've felt the most strong and most intimately connected with myself Mm -hmm. and therefore most intimately connected with my partners. Yep. Um, yeah. I think i I finished that podcast and podcast. <laughs> 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 and just felt, um like I had something a little more tangible to work on, mm. than the Thank you for that emotional word. work yeah. I've been doing this year. Yes, and I'm still doing. Yes, um I feel like I walked away from his episode with, yeah, something more tangible. So thank oh you, Dylan. Gosh. Thank I you, really Dylan. <laughs> thank you, Solange, for bringing his offering and sharing it with your listeners.
0: Yeah, amazing. All right, well, let's let him listen. Here we go. <laughs> it's
2: drawing a question. Oh, I thought these were many slips of paper. It's only three. There's
0: only three questions left.
2: all right what makes you feel safe
1: Mm.
2: that's good um so and we're talking about specifically in in relation to intimate relationships or just in general
0: let's keep it general and then if you feel inspired to go a little bit deeper. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they kind of go hand in hand, right? Like my... what And what makes me feel safe now is very different than what I've relied on to make me feel safe through most of my life. Mm. Um, and I, I say that because I'm... Um, I mean, as you know, listeners probably won't. I'm a sober alcoholic right? mm-hmm. and have been for almost a decade now. And... That really involved, as it does, changing everything about the way I relate to myself, the world around me, Mm -hmm. and especially a higher power, right? Something, Mm -hmm. you know, a a spiritual force that I rely on for guidance, strength, wisdom, comfort, and safety. Right. So now what makes me feel safe is when I'm paying attention to that relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, with my sort of divine creator, and guide and if i'm if i'm in that relationship and i'm being responsible to it and caretaking of it then i feel safe yeah and if i don't then i don't (laughs) so so yeah it's really what i say that because it changes everything about my human relationships right like Mm. i I don't. I no longer feel as though I can be in a, in a safe or an unsafe situation because it okay. it really has nothing to do with the people around me. It has everything to do with what's going on inside me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel safe when I'm grounded and paying attention to like my spiritual health.
0: What do you do to like if you ever feel yourself feeling ungrounded? How mm-hmm. do you get grounded again?
2: I really I just pray. Like mm-hmm. I I pause. And sort of retreat to, like, I kind of think of it as, like, because I don't do, you know, a lot of people have, like, really strict rituals that they stick to. And I, I understand the need for that and the, and the use of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that way. I'm that way with a lot of things. But I'm not that way with my spirituality. Like, I, I retreat to what I think of as kind of, like, a quiet space in the back of my head. Mm. So whatever mm-hmm. is going on, I can do it, you know, while I'm working, I can do it while I'm hanging out, I can do it while I'm having a conversation, I can, whatever, while yeah. I'm driving. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what else is going on. I can retreat to that space and kind of go through my process right. of regrounding mm-hmm. whenever.
0: I love that. I, mainly because I do the same thing and people don't know that I'm doing it, right. but I'm like... <laughs> I'm, like, sitting across from them at the table, Mm -hmm. and I'll be, like, to myself, inhale one, exhale one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, when I was being attacked by a group of Karens at the yoga studio this morning, I was, like, inhale one, exhale one. Exactly, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's the thing, is it allows you safety from other people's mess right like Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just get caught up in that like if someone gets confrontational with me yeah I can I can you know I'm the best at being confrontational (laughs) and and like mean and and incisive you know like people to rhythm ribbons but I don't have to do that and I don't want to do that so it's much better to be able like okay breathe like Where are you at? What's Mm -hmm. going on with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. Don't worry about them. (laughs)
0: Right. And there's two things that kind of, like, for me, keep me going in that is One is I'm an alchemist, so you can toss, like, whatever kind of energy at me, and I can transmute, transform it into whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of energy I want. And it's also to know, like, I always have this sort of protective shield. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't really bother me unless I let you in and let you do it. Yeah. let's go into the second part of it right you were like in general or as it relates to like the topic Mm -hmm. of sexuality and so let's switch it over to to that viewpoint Yeah.
2: well so interestingly what i was just thinking is you were talking about that that protective shield that we can we are responsible for building and maintaining right Mm -hmm. but this is not to say that there aren't Dangerous people in the world, and that it's not possible. Just like, you know, if if you are a victim of violence, for instance, it's not, you know, I don't want to say that it's your fault because you weren't keeping your shield up. Uh No, absolutely not. Right. So, so in intimacy, so I I came to sexual intimacy rather late in life. In many ways, Um, I didn't lose my virginity until I was eighteen, and then I really didn't become sexually active until it was in my 20s and i've had long periods of abstinence mm. through my 20s until i got sober for the most part like when going through sobriety let me work through a lot of my issues around intimacy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and there's a part in the big book where it basically says all of our you know our troubles are all troubles of Of intimate relationships like Mm. it was my problems in intimate relationships that led to a lot of my self-destructive behaviors yeah and then it was in intimate relationships where those behaviors would most often come to the surface right so it was a way of both keeping me safe and keeping others safe I kind of just cloistered myself off in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but um what I was able to work through is when I was I was sexually abused when I was like two to three years old Mm. so I'm not cognizant of it I don't Mm. remember it happening but I can see it manifesting in a lot of ways in my sex life Mm. and in my relationship my intimate relationships with people so until very recently I would say I wouldn't feel safe in you know a sexually intimate relationship unless I had been able to establish like a spiritual connection with that person right so so that's part of why you know I'm not very active because Mm -hmm. or hadn't been
1: Mm
2: -hmm. because I needed I needed that to be present in order for me to be present yeah um and in order to feel safe yeah yeah
0: honestly though (laughs) I'm hearing you say that I think that's really true for a lot of people it's having that spiritual Mm -hmm. connection Mm -hmm. um And my friends and I have been talking about this, especially when it comes to casual sex. And Mm -hmm. I think there's, um, and I still support it and I still think it needs to happen, but this campaign for um, less shaming, yes. Yes. But simultaneously, I'm like but also can we then not shame the people who want to like really take their time and create Mm -hmm. a spiritual or a deeper emotional connection with the people that they choose to be intimate with Mm -hmm. Um, because it is very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and I think it requires a little bit more care, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So there's a really interesting, there are a lot of nuances to being like no shaming and I'm like, well, that's, (laughs) that's literally like,
2: right across the
0: board yeah. um so i just had that random thought yeah. but um i'm curious about just like especially throughout your your intimate journey mm-hmm. <laughs> um like how has your relationship with your sexuality shift and change and
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: kind of gone with the flow of the fluidity of it
2: yeah well, I think, so two things happened for me, right? One, I was abused young, and then also um, my parents went through a really traumatic period when I was, like, about that same time frame, when I was, like, three or four years old, where my mom had an affair. Mm-hmm. And my my parents are high school sweethearts, like, they've been together since nineteen sixty Mm four, I think, um, been married since 1969. My dad's only ever been with one woman. Mm -hmm. My mom has only ever been with my dad and the one person that she stepped out on him with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They got through that, but again, not being totally conscious of what was happening, the the energy of that experience very much, like, imbued our home life and my relationship with, like, especially relationships with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. So I think from that, my first introduction to sexual intimacy was that it's very dangerous, right? Mm. Like, there there are ways in which it can be really hurtful um, and very disruptive. Yeah. So, there's that. Then there's the fact that, like, from a very young age, I was very attractive. Like, I'm comfortable saying that. <laughs> <I'm like laughs> I've always been a very attractive person. Um, and And I'm intelligent, and Mm -hmm. I, I'm a master, you know, manipulator in both good and positive ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm really good at manifesting the things that I want. Mm -hmm. So, and I always have been. And, and so the combination of all those things, like as a younger person, I felt like I could sort of have anyone I wanted Mm -hmm. and every potential like relationship was potential trauma, Right And I was very aware of that, so that's part of why I, like I kept everything at bay, you know for the most part. Um, it was like this sort of dangerous thing that I had to be really responsible with, mm-hmm. I guess, so that's part of how I came to like this the realization that for me sexuality has to be a very spiritual experience,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but also i've I've been. I've always been blessed with, like, a very strong libido. (laughs) (laughs) I have have a lot of sexual desires. And that's, so it's it's always been a balancing act. Like, you know, how to, like, pay attention to yourself. Like, be in your body. Be aware of, like, your body. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's natural, Mm -hmm. you know, proclivities and needs. But also be responsible toward how that impacts the world around you.
0: I'm curious, um, something that's come up. A number of times as i've been kind of interviewing people is the different ways in which we um release mm-hmm. our sexual energy when sex is not being involved right mm-hmm. like for me it's working on projects like this right. <laughs> like yeah. i just focus all my creative energy on mm-hmm. on something else yeah um i'm curious like do you have something that you like just kind of focus your mind in on and channel that energy yeah
2: um tons of stuff so my part of like thinking about this thinking about your project and like thinking about um my relationship with intimacy and and like the notion of purity is like a whole there's like a very deep um analytical like rabbit hole that we could go down that i'd be curious to talk about but i don't know if we have time (laughs) but um so, part of what I've been thinking about is the the ways in which paying attention to other people's positionalities and like their subjective wants desires and needs mm-hmm. is a spiritual experience, and mm-hmm. that's very much like that's what i that's what I seek when I'm involved with someone intimately mm-hmm. like it's not um I don't know. Like, it, it's almost like it, I need to have a spiritual experience in the bedroom. They don't necessarily need to have that experience, right? Right, right? But for me, that spiritual experience is partly allowing myself to to sort of see the world from their positionality mm. and, and give to them what they want in order to have, like, the experience that they want. Mm-hmm. Like, that for me offers a sort of transcendence of the self.
0: Yeah.
2: And, like, there's a whole – I have a very, like – there's a big like ontological philosophical like reason that I think this is so, but the simple way to say it is being intimate with another person allows you to take you to, to like release you from the finitude and you know, the, the limitations of your singular being. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And any act where you are considering the positionality and the subjective like needs, wants, desires of another person is an act of service or can be an act of right. service. Yep. And for me, all of those acts of service are spiritual acts. Mm-hmm. So I, I work in a restaurant. Like we're in we're doing this interview in the restaurant that I work in. Right. That I manage. <laughs> and um, I've been in restaurants for over twenty years. And part of the reason I've been able to do it so long is because that opportunity for service, like I I see the world around people, I see their experience in the world, I see a way that I can, you know, like, augment or address, like, their wants and desires, and basically improve their quality of life, and, like, their experience in the world Mm. a little bit, Mm -hmm. have a conversation about something that heals them a little bit, like, I get to do all these things in, like, infinite you know sort of loops mm-hmm. right so anything anything that i'm doing that is serving the world around me i think is an expression of that same impulse which is to escape the limitations of the self and become a part of something greater Mm. you know and that's like that's what I want from sex I think that's what most people do want Mm -hmm. like whatever whatever our articulation of that is what we want is an escape from the boundaries of the body right right? and that's what I mean that's what orgasm is like that's what sexual release is Mm -hmm. I think right but there's bunches of ways to get there in just everyday life
0: yeah I hear you about the boundaries of the body and I think that's I love that because it really is what creativity is right it's like Mm -hmm. it's us escaping the body and expanding Mm -hmm. beyond I was just explaining this project to somebody the other day Um, they were like congratulations proud of you how does it feel and i said it's like i feel the project is like bigger than who i am and then i thought well i guess that's not true it came from me so i guess i just feel myself being really like so much bigger it's very strange <laughs> yeah um but my question for you um because i work in service as a yoga teacher and that's a lot of energy is a lot of spiritual energy yeah A lot of emotional energy, and my question for you is: Being in service to others as much as you are, which is a lot, Mm -hmm. is there ever a point where you just feel emptied out and you need a source of replenishment? And and what do you do? Totally,
2: totally. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do any kind of service work for a sustained period of time Mm -hmm. um, without reaching those moments of exhaustion. And I, I have. A couple different ways that I cope with it. One, I do the same thing that I would do in in other times of trial, right? Like, very often, especially in early sobriety, I'd be coming into work and just thinking, like, I don't have this in me. I can't, right. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. then I was in fine dining. It was, like, a, it was a very different environment, but it was, like, very... High pressure, or very mm. like you have to be on. Like you're on stage, and in, in a different kind of way. Yeah. And doing that night after night after night, like it's yeah. really hard. So, yeah. I would, the simple prayer I would say on the way into work is, "God, may the work I do today please You." Mm. And just like refocus myself. Like mm-hmm. it's not, you know, like mm-hmm. the the Amish have a saying like "hands to work and hearts to God." Yep. You know, like yep. like be where your hands are, focus on the thing that you're doing, but also like reserve that mental spiritual emotional space to stay connected to something that's not this you know (laughs) and also like the the other kind of side of that is it's a we have a tendency to draw a lot of our self-worth from the work that we do regardless of what that is yeah and the other part of that is to not get too tied up in that like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. allow yourself to be imperfect at your labors Mm -hmm. you know and don't think that that reflects that you are like a a failing human being which right. is my tendency very much early on you know yeah um, also
0: Capricorn
2: also Capricorn right? yeah, yeah yeah like I can't I can't get something not perfect <laughs> otherwise you know why am I even here
1: right like, <laughs> what are we doing what, here? what
2: use could anyone possibly have for me if it's not flawless <laughs> um the other thing I think that I would do is um and, and this is, I think this is, this has like been a lifesaver for me and also not all that healthy. I have a tendency to detach, right? Mm-hmm. I have like, I yeah. have a, a profound ability to disassociate mm-hmm. from whatever is going on around me. And mm-hmm. that's, that's been utterly necessary for a lot of my life. Yeah. But also I do it in pretty much any high stress situation, but it allows me to function at a really high level in terms yeah. of like getting things done. Right. But not be present. And I, and I know I know that that's the case, and I'm sure that other people feel it, and you know I don't know so like I, like be where you are and also have a way to escape and still get work done.
0: Sure <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's kind of my answer, and of course, obviously for for a couple decades that was drugs and alcohol for me, right like yeah, that was the buffer that I used, mm. but without that, I you know mm-hmm. I say I have to maintain that spiritual shield
0: right. Interesting topic of self worth really popping up here. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this too tied into sacral chakra, uh, creativity, self worth, sex, mm-hmm. and I'm really curious about <laughs> what's been the buildup of self worth mm-hmm. through the years. Like what's yeah. that looked like?
2: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So my it's funny like work was definitely the well maybe athletics so when I was when I was young I started wrestling I was like I don't know six or seven probably um was never like the best at it but I was pretty good and and then played football and was less good at that but I love football um but I'm not. I'm not a large man. Like I, I'm bigger than I've ever been. But I'm not big. Um, but I played offensive and defensive line in Pop Warner, and then a little bit in high school. And I would. So I would play both sides of the football, and I would play special teams. So I was basically on the field all the time. Again, Capricorn. Um, and that and wrestling were like where. I sort of found a sense of self-worth I think as a young person Mm -hmm. and and I have a hard time really locating where else I felt that Mm -hmm. and then I started working young. I started working um, asphalt for my uncle the summer between eighth grade and high school and then every summer in high school. Wow. So Mm -hmm. working like sometimes 12 and 16 hour days shoveling asphalt and doing like road resurfacing and driveway resurfacing and parking lots and stuff. Um, super hard labor. And, but, and he was, he comes from a military background. Um, and he's from, he's a farm boy. He's a, my mom's from Northern Indiana. So like a farm boy who was in the army, um, and it has like a really good work ethic. So, right. <laughs> so he taught me, you know, work ethic and discipline in a way that I'd never really known. And that's where I got my ability to do work. And from that, like every job I've had, I excel at. And partly, again, like it's partly composition. It's partly just who I am. But a lot of it is because of the lessons that I learned doing that job. So, my self-worth has largely been work-derived mm-hmm. since I was, like, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of that, you know, in social circles, my role has always sort of fallen to, like, you know, some type of community healing. Like, I was the person that people would bring problems to. I was the person that would, like, talk you through stuff. Um, again like not having sex I've had a lot of really good intimate relationships with women where we just like (laughs) be together and like talk and Mm -hmm. like I was a safe emotional space because I wasn't trying to get you know the thing everyone else was trying to get yeah um (laughs) and like all those from all those relationships I think my my sense of self-worth was that you know I can I can help get people through stuff Mm. you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is and again like being able to distance myself emotionally from what's going on around me i can i can be with you in like any kind of traumatic situation and be fairly unfazed by it and so that was the other thing um that that sort of defined me i think as a younger person i grew up in a really violent community mm-hmm. uh in southern arizona in the 90s and so like had a gun put to my head for the first time when I was 14, like not the last time by any means, um, you know, like was in like pretty intense situations. But again, I can charge into that stuff and be present in that stuff because mm-hmm. my value to me, my worth is that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like I can go into those spaces and, and be effective um, and help kind of calm tempers, yeah. you know make people feel heard like that's the biggest thing right like when there is when there is conflict whether it's internal or external the most the most pressing thing I think is that people just want to be heard Mm. and they don't feel that they're being heard right and you have to find a way to like let them let them say what they need to say let them feel like they're being understood Mm -hmm. and then get them to a common ground like where they can kind of resolve it for themselves yeah like we're, we've gotten very bad at doing that yes. as a as a culture <laughs> and partly it's just the noise in our head right like yeah. we have so many other narratives going on that it's very hard to be calm enough to hear what another person is saying and going through and right. and give it legitimacy right. right but but again this comes back to like subjectivity right like for me
0: i call them ego tantrums yeah yeah right. yeah, right. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it is. like, it's, yeah. you know, which again, like, it, uh, you know, military acronyms, but um had an AA an A- an A- A sponsor who was ex-Navy and he would say ego stands for edging God out.
0: Oh. <laughs> i like that yeah i do too it's very apt it's like yeah that's definitely
2: what's happening like Uh i don't i don't have time or space for the divine right now (laughs) i'm busy being caught up in my own like tantrum in
0: my own tantrum oh my goodness um would you say that's like here present and today like that's your source of self-worth is that ability to like hold space or do you feel like it's maybe it's a more of an internal source now
2: it's kind of more of an internal source now it, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting like my yeah cuz like now i don't look to i like my job it's fine i think of it more and more in in economic terms um and less and less in terms of like it giving me what i need mm-hmm. um like it's you know like playing in the yard and farming and like doing doing earth labor (laughs) is the is the labor that actually makes me feel self-worth you know it makes Mm -hmm. me feel valuable and involved and like tied in Mm -hmm. um everything else is kind of just you know it's surface stuff um but I think my because of my realignment with a divine source of power and strength and like that's what I look to, like God, God is fine with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, that's all I really need. Mm-hmm. So that can be kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like it's at the, on the one hand, I don't really need a job or a thing or really even other people to, to tell me that I'm good enough anymore. Right. right. But yeah. at the same time, that means I can be a little callous or a little um, disregarding of, like, other people's needs from me, Mm -hmm. you know. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm (laughs) like, well, do I I really need to do the dishes? Like, God loves me, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. Yes, you you
2: also need to do the dishes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. okay. So I guess Dylan's words of wisdom are you still have to do the dishes. (laughs) I made the decision to split Dylan's episode in half and to share it in two parts. So you just finished up listening to part one of him discussing his personal journey in exploring his sexuality. And I decided to split it into two parts because first part is his story and the second part is a much deeper um and an enlightening conversation on the origins of purity and how it relates to probably all of our favorite topic <laughs> of colonialism. Um it's a really good discussion and I did not want it to get lost in part one and I decided it was worthy of its own episode. So please stay tuned for next week's part two coming out. I will, of course, be announcing it. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please consider sharing it with a friend, giving it a good rating. Five stars, please, for your girl. And to also follow the podcast, you can subscribe onto Spotify as well as give us a follow at Dirty DirtyGodics on Instagram. That's all for today. Peace and stay free.